Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at One in One Hundred. Go to oneinone100.co for your chance to win killer Patriots, Celtics, Bruins or even concert tickets throughout New England for the price of beer or a large pizza. Go to oneinone100.co for your chance to win today. Welcome back to the Banners Broadcast. I'm your host, Chris Grenham. Happy New Year to everyone out there. We're recording this on Wednesday, January 2nd, the morning of... Celtics-Timberwolves, that game tips off from TD Garden at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. The T-Wolves come in, losers of one in a row. The Celtics, losers of one in a row as well. On today's show, we'll welcome in host of the Locked on Wolves podcast, Colton Molesky. We'll talk about Timberwolves-Celtics, but first, let's discuss just very briefly the last three-game road trip for the Celtics where they finished one and two. There's a lot of panic out there. I don't necessarily want to say panic, but there was some some chatter on Twitter basically about how, you know, this team needs a fix now, whether it be trade talk, whether it be lineup changes, whatever it may be. I say you should probably, you know, hit the chill pill just a little bit. Houston, at the moment, one of the hottest teams in the NBA. Okay, there's no shame in losing to them, especially at this point. Also, you lose to an MVP caliber player, who's playing MVP caliber ball. What are you going to do? You know, there's only so much you can do against James Harden on a night like that. So I don't don't understand the panic regarding that loss. Then you go get a gritty win in Memphis against a team that's pretty solid defensively in the Grizzlies. They're they're not a, you know, they're, they're no joke. And then you travel to San Antonio and you give up a gigantic, gigantic third quarter. I mean... There's really not much you could say, but there was a positive. Jalen Brown, he's alive. A lot of people have been waiting for a game like that from him. Season high, 30 points off the bench. Marcus Morris finished with 18. Jason Tatum with a double-double in 12 and 11. Kyrie had 16 and added a team-high 8 assists, but did go down with that right eye injury. He's questionable for tonight's game, and at this point of recording on Wednesday morning, he still is questionable. So we'll have to wait with uh, Brad Stevens' very sly ways about releasing the starting lineup before tonight's game. Who knows if he uh, if he will release it during his pregame availability, if he will release it 25 minutes prior to tip-off. We'll have to wait and see. But 
Either way, the Spurs used a 46-point third quarter to take control of that game, and and the Celtics lost their final game of 2018 in San Antonio. But you look at the positives, Jalen Brown with 30 points. If he can continue to get going and be more aggressive, that's what they're going to look for uh, for him off the bench going forward. So not all bad. It's not the end of the world going 1-2 and two on that road trip. However, the Celtics are looking to regain their footing on this little homestand. They have Minnesota tonight at home. Dallas on Friday night at home, then Brooklyn on Monday night at home, Indiana on Wednesday night at home. So there's a little four-game homestand before heading back on the road for a three-game road trip. Now, after that three-game road trip, there is only one lone road game for the rest of the month of January. So the Celtics do need to take advantage of these home games throughout the month of January. This is a nice stretch here where they can take their time, sleep in their own beds, maybe have a couple practices here and there. They'll be in the friendly confines of TD Garden for much of this month. So we'll see how they handle that going forward, but let's talk about Friday night's Mavericks game. Of course, we'll talk Timberwolves with Colton in just a little bit, but because we won't be podcasting before Friday night's Mavericks game, Let's just briefly, briefly hit on that one. The Celtics lost on November 24th in Dallas. That was when they dropped to 10-10. and 10. So that was the low point, really, before that eight-game winning streak. That's where Jalen Brown went down with that nasty back injury as he fell on his tailbone. That's also where he kind of went at it with Luka Doncic. So it did get a little chippy there. So this was also in the stretch where the Celtics were being beat again and again and again by guards, whether it be starter or reserve guards. J.J. Barea recorded 20 points. Uh, Harrison Barnes, who's not necessarily a fixture in a backcourt, but he had 20 points of his own. They struggled with DeAndre Jordan. He had double-double, 14 and 13. And this is really where it all kind of started to come to a head. This is, uh, as reported last week, this is kind of where Kyrie Irving called out Brad Stevens and some of his teammates on the bench, and it and the intensity and the tension kind of got to a breaking point. And of course, the Marcuses were added into the starting lineup after this, and the eight-game winning streak would take off. Of course, it hasn't been all smooth sailing from that point, but this was a, a bit of a turning point at this point for the Celtics as they fell to 10-10. and 10. DeAndre Jordan is going to be an issue for the Celtics in this game. Of course, Aaron Baines will remain sidelined with his hand injury, and they've struggled on the glass without him. And if anyone's going to give you trouble on the glass when you're missing a big man, it's DeAndre Jordan. So that's something to look at going forward. Luka Doncic, of course, was seen posting up Kyrie Irving at times in that initial matchup. Of course, he's a pretty versatile young guard. If you've watched him play at all, you know what he's capable of. So their backcourt and DeAndre Jordan could potentially cause some issues, but we will see if Kyrie Irving is back and healthy in time for Friday's game. But before Friday's game, the Celtics have the Minnesota Timberwolves at 8 o'clock on Wednesday night at TD Garden. Let's chat with Colton Molesky of the Locked on Wolves podcast to preview tonight's game. What's up, everyone? I have to admit something on behalf of most guys. We're pretty terrible at taking care of our health, whether it's a knee injury or something worse. Guys are usually more comfortable just rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. My buddy is extremely guilty of it. He hurt his back skiing last winter, and he's been using a foam roller ever since, but he won't see a doctor. 
Well, the same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED do not get treated. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to get checked out by a doctor and get treated for ED online. Roman's a one-stop shop where licensed U.S. physicians can diagnose ED and ship medication right to your door. No waiting rooms, no awkward face-to-face convos, no trips to the pharmacy. Everything is discreet online. All you have to do is visit GetRoman.com garden. Fill out a brief medical onboarding, chat with a doctor, get FDA-approved ED meds delivered to your door in discreet, unmarked packaging. Guys, enough is enough. Go online and get checked by the doctor. Erectile dysfunction is a problem that guys don't tackle, but with Roman, it's really easy. So take care of it. For a free online visit, again, that's a free online visit, go to GetRoman.com garden. That's GetRoman.com slash garden for a free online visit. GetRoman.com slash garden. Now we welcome on Colton Molesky of the Locked On Wolves podcast. Colton, thanks for coming on this morning, man. I really appreciate it. Always a pleasure to talk to you, Chris. And you know what? You've jumped on the podcast, on my podcast, so many times for me. I I definitely owe you a couple shows, so I'm, I'm glad to help. That's right. We've shared a lot of airwaves together, so that's that's good. It's the way, it's the way it should be. And you're... Staying, staying warm in uh, balmy Minnesota. That's right. It is a glorious fourteen degrees, and it's above zero, so I can't even complain right now. I mean, it's January. A January February is when it really gets into the nitty gritty. When you have those stretches where it's uh, like ten days, two weeks under under zero. Uh, there was a stretch. What was it last year? Two years ago, where there was like three weeks where it was thirty or below negative twenty. I, I commend you, man. I could not do that. I'm over here complaining when it's 29 degrees in Boston, complaining about the wind, and I have no reason to be complaining. So I, I do appreciate you kind of bringing me back down to earth and <laughs> keeping it real here because I shouldn't, I shouldn't be complaining at all. I like the above, the above zero uh, level you've got going there. But so let's talk about this Wolves-Celtics game tonight, 8 o'clock tip-off at TD Garden. I came across a stat on the Celtics game notes this morning, which I thought was pretty surprising. Granted, they don't play a whole lot, but the Timberwolves have, la- have they've lost their last 12 trips to TD Garden entering tonight's game, and the Celtics are 19-4 and over their last 23 meetings between the two teams. So, of course, that doesn't really mean much, much, but it's just an interesting stat that I came across, but... The Wolves are dealing with some injuries at the moment right now. Derek Rose with a right ankle injury. Jeff Teague with a left ankle injury. Robert Covington has some ankle soreness. What are you? Are is someone poisoning the ankles in Minnesota? What what's happening there? What's going on? I don't know if there's like some some miscreant out in Minneapolis just taking swings with a baseball bat at random ankles, and he just happened to like. on the entire Timberwolves squad or. Or what's going on, but it looks like Derrick Rose is the one who won't play today. Uh, Teague is pretty up in the air. I'm I'm uh, about sixty percent sure Covington, and, and these are all reports as of this morning. Yeah, uh, I was doing a show with my co-host T- Trey Flynn earlier this morning. We were looking at injury reports. Uh, it looks like Covington should play. Teague might play. I, I really doubt Rose will play. I'm almost hundred percent sure he's out for tonight. Right, so Derek Rose has missed, what is it, the last two games with his right ankle sprain. He suffered yep. that against Atlanta uh, last week. And then Jeff Teague has missed the last eight games 
but like you said, it's likely that Covington will play. He just left in the fourth quarter against New Orleans on Monday and did not return, so he's listed as questionable, but I have a feeling you're right. So where do the Timberwolves turn with these ankle injuries? Do they look at a guy like uh, Tyus Jones? Of course, he has he's listed as a probable starter in place of those guards. How how have they been filling in for guys like Rose and Teague, and, and do you like what Jones is bringing to the table? Well, the problem I've had with Jones all year long here in the 2018-19 campaign has been his lack of ability to to score for himself. His kind of the edge that you see from starting point guards where they can take the ball and really own a possession and sure. and find a score for themselves. He's always been really good at playmaking for his teammates. He's always been really good at being careful with the basketball, not making those crucial turnovers, not having the kind of backbreaking silly passes. But as far as just creating for himself and getting to the rim and scoring or getting to the free throw line, he really hasn't taken advantage of a bunch of opportunities. And he's gotten a better minutes load than he has his entire career this season. So it's unfortunate to see him not take advantage of those scoring opportunities. That said, you still have games like the other night against the Pelicans. He had 13 assists. You still have the playmaking from him. Now we just need to have some confidence that he can actually go out there and even score just – 12 points would be would be nice but I'm not sure if you can depend on him to get to that double digit mark quite yet and so I think that's going to be a real negative for the Timberwolves especially when you look at last game and you look at how there were a couple stretches in that game where you had Kyrie Irving Derrick Rose kind of going shot for shot a little bit there yeah not having that in this game will be crucial but the other side of this is that Carl Anthony Towns has been an absolute monster over the last week and it has been really controlling games. And so if you're looking for guys to lean on, I don't know if you have to look much further than Towns. Yeah, I mean, Carl, let's let's jump to Towns. In the last four games, he's averaging 28.3 points, 18.5 rebounds, 5.5 assists, and 3.5 blocks. I mean, I, I think that sounds pretty reliable to me. I also, this is according to the Elias Sports Bureau, he is the second player to record consecutive games of more than 25 points, 15 rebounds, five assists, and five blocks since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did it four times in the 1973-74 season. So, I mean, yeah, he sounds like a pretty good guy to to rely on. What's been the difference across this last five-game stretch or so? Because he's always been there and he's always been an effective producer for them, but it seems like as of late he's kind of taken it to the next level. Yeah, that's that's pretty good company to keep if you're Towns. But no kidding. if you're looking at what the difference is, you saw this last year in that December run that the Timberwolves made with Jimmy Butler on the team. But you also saw this in that kind of January, February run when uh, Jimmy Butler was injured for that second time and was out for an extended period. And you saw this later. It was after the All-Star break, excuse me. But uh, you saw that, that late run in the season where for like two weeks Towns was unstoppable and while you know he's going to be able to do some things offensively and score and you know he's going to be able to grab boards there's this other side of himself that he accesses this like blue chip superstar side of himself where he's just a monster defensively he plays uber aggressive on the on the boards I think one of the key stats if you're looking really deep over this, like the last four games, especially six offensive rebounds for him per game, just really being aggressive, giving his team extra opportunities. And you talked about the blocks. 
he has been somebody who's going to get up in the face of opponents. He's going to own opposing front courts. That's been the difference is that defensively he is making his presence felt. Yeah, and you, you mentioned offensive rebounds, which is going to you know bring some nightmares into Celtics fans' brains. I think since Aaron Baines went down a couple weeks ago against the Phoenix Suns with his right-hand injury, they've really struggled on the glass. Granted, when he went down, Al Horford was also sidelined, so they were really thin in the front court. But without Aaron Baines, they lack that big interior presence to grab boards. Of course, Al Horford is great, but he does float along the perimeter a decent amount, and so does Daniel Tice. They're not as effective on the glass as Aaron Baines. Since Baines has been out, the Celtics' rebounding numbers have plummeted, and especially on the offensive glass. They don't really have an enforcer on the glass. You know, you watch guys like DeAndre Ayton and and just any sort of big man come in and kind of have their way with the team on the boards. Carl Anthony Towns isn't going to have any issue with that tonight. I mean, he he'll they'll they'll struggle with him plenty. But I think those second chance points that you talked about with him on the offensive glass is going to be the major problem for the Celtics. What is really Who's the secondary guy for them without so Tegan Rose being out? Of course, you guys added the Timberwolves added. Excuse me, um, Robert Covington and Dario Saric. But who do they turn to without that main guard play? Because you said Tyus Jones isn't really reliable to get you you know twelve to fifteen points a night. Do they turn to someone like Andrew Wiggins? Do they turn to someone like Taj Gibson as that secondary scorer? Because of course Towns can carry that load. But who should Celtics fans be looking at? as that secondary scorer in Minnesota? Well, I mean, I know that Wiggins is an unreliable guy to try and depend on as a secondary guy, but this is one of those games that that he loves, right? This is yeah, one of those yeah. primetime matchups in, on a big stage against a good team that he loves. The problem is, is that when the, the guard, uh, Marcus Smart, has been getting so much time, especially in the starting lineup, I'm not sure how he plays against a guy like him with his physicality right. or when they're switching and if Marquise Morris get, get, Marcus Morris gets switched on him, uh, how does he play against Marcus Morris? I mean, that's another physical guy. Jalen Brown, another physical defender. I'm not sure how he plays just because as far as Wiggins, he does love these games, but it's easy to get into kind of the, the mental side of Wiggins' game. It's easy to kind of affect his his mentality as a shooter pretty pretty quickly in these games. And so if he doesn't come out banging in some threes from right away in that first, second quarter, I'm not sure if you can bank on him in the third quarter for the Timberwolves. A guy I'm looking for, kind of a sneaky, a couple performers off the bench for the Timberwolves, Dario Saric and Josh Okogie. Two guys who I think could play some, especially with the injuries they're having, play some bigger minutes in tonight's game, especially bigger minutes than maybe the the last time these two teams met. And I think that those are two guys who could really be a difference because I think one of the edges the Timberwolves have is if they could get the second unit of the Celtics, a unit that's had far more struggles playing defense uh, as far as just this team in general, the second unit's had a little more trouble defending teams and the, the starters and so if you can get some points and, and make some make some hay against the second unit maybe make up uh, the difference a little bit between the stars because of that depletion at the point guard position makes make up some of the difference with the second unit that you roll out there I think that's how the Timberwolves maybe find an edge in this game because Josh Okogie really good really great athlete especially in transition get him going and get him turning the tables on that defense quickly. And then Dario Sarge, I think he could be really interesting playing a small ball five. 
against some of the lineups. You talk about how the Celtics are a little thin at that center four position. Hey, get him playing some small ball five lineups. Get that that second unit moving really quickly for the Timberwolves, and I'd like to see what they're able to do against the Celtics. Yeah, Saric is a guy who Celtics fans are very familiar with. Of course, he's played for the Philadelphia 76ers, and he took advantage often of that thin front court and just the ability to space the floor, the ability to stretch the floor. He brings about a pretty unique skill set and one that causes trouble for any sort of defense, but the Celtics specifically. And Celtics fans know him all too well, so I bet he will be an impactful player on Wednesday night. Let's go back to Andrew Wiggins just briefly because he is kind of a fascinating story. Of course, he was smack in the middle of all that Jimmy Butler nonsense, which I'm sure you haven't talked about at all. I'm sure you're not sick about talking about that at all. Um, But what have you seen from Wiggins post-Jimmy Butler? Has it kind of freed him up from forcing his game? I know that was a problem when Butler was there. Of course, he was... Butler was calling him out a little bit, and there have been issues with Wiggins' motor, Wiggins' motivation. Have you seen any improvements since Butler, since the Butler trade, and and what do you like and dislike from Wiggins' game? It's actually super depressing, honestly, because <laughs> you, you. I'm just gonna actually let that sit in the air for a second. Super depressing, <laughs> then nothing. <laughs> then Dead you air. can worry about me, but I, <laughs> I think there's a little more pressure actually on Wiggins with Butler out because. If you're thinking about when Butler was here, right, Butler likes those mid-range shots. He likes attacking the rim, which is kind of where Wiggins made his name starting out his career and when he was at Kansas, right, is that intermediate 15 to 18-foot range and then really being aggressive, being the athlete he is, attacking the rim. And so when Butler was here, you were you saw that Wiggins had a decrease in numbers, but you were also saying to yourself, well, I mean, he's out of his comfort zone. The three-point shooting game was never his game, and I don't know if making him transition over there is the right move. It doesn't seem to be working. But now that Jimmy Butler is out, not only that he's out, but that you add three-point shooters like Sarge, like Robert Covington, now there's more pressure, I think, on Wiggins than ever because you have him in the perfect spot, right? You have him with guys who are going to pull defenses out to the perimeter. He doesn't have to take as many threes as they were kind of expecting and hoping that he would last year. And it's open stuff up. He, he should have more shots. If you're just looking at the numbers, he should have more shots on the table there for him at that 15, 18-foot range. And instead, it feels like there's lots of parts of this season where lots of games this season where he's just lost. He doesn't know if he should be in that that intermediate range or if he should be taking more shots from three. There are some games like against the Bulls, uh, the first time they played the Bulls, where he goes over 12 and he just can't find a rhythm. And then he finds a rhythm and has a huge night against the Thunder. It seems like he had last season really forced him out of his comfort zone to the effect where he doesn't know where his sweet spot is anymore. And there's nothing more more discouraging than when you have a guy who his main presence on this team was offensive. And now it seems like he can't even find where a spot is for him on the floor. Because when you're a shooter and you can't you don't even know where your spots are anymore that's when you really get concerned about a player. And all that behind the fact that they are paying him a max contract is a lot, is a lot to swallow. And it's to the point now where not not only are you in a bad situation, but when you could have maybe sold sold on him a little higher over the offseason or before he signed this contract last year, now if you sell him, you're selling him at 
when his stock is at its absolute lowest and you're going to be you're going to be paying to get rid of him as opposed to other teams paying you to grab him. So is that a general consensus around the team with media around the team like yourself or fans that they missed their chance to sell him or are people still in favor of kind of trying to get anything for him at this point even though his stock is lower? What's the what's the consensus there? Here's the thing is I talked about this the other day on the Locked on Wolves podcast is that I feel like there's a lot of fans and media members who are kind of waiting for that next because the the trade with Jimmy Butler kind of actually added some stability to the Timberwolves, right? I mean, you bring in Robert Covington, yeah, Donald Sarge, they fix some three point shooting, they bring in some defense, you get two nice role players, you establish that this is indeed Carl Anthony Towns' team. It gave them a little bit of a boost. I think that there's a lot of people who still believe that there's another trade around the corner, something like. So, like getting Teague or Wiggins out of the building that'll bring in some pieces that will add that extra that second boost to this team that might make this a, a, a playoff team. Not only do I not think there's a trade coming around the corner, but I don't know if you're you're really getting anything of serious value that can help this team this year if you do get a trade. I think if you get a trade, you're probably looking for draft picks because I don't think anybody's giving you a, an asset of any real value for this team this year. For any of those guys, because Teague has had some pretty massive injury problems this year that would make him pretty low value for any team if you're trying to trade him. So while I think that you probably just have to ride with this roster, there's still a lot of people that think that there's a trade around the corner that's going to that's going to help stabilize this team into like a seventh seed. Man, it's depressing is the right word when I, I I. I, for a second, I thought you might have been overreacting, but man, that, that Wiggins situation is tough because he is so talented. He's that raw talent when he came into the league, but it is a tough situation. We'll see how he deals with, like you said earlier, a strong perimeter defensive presence like a Marcus Morris, maybe even a Marcus Smart, I'm sure. The Celtics will cycle through defenders in that regard. Give me a uh, Give me a prediction for tonight's game. Do you see... Taj Gibson and Carl Anthony Towns combining for 400 rebounds against the Celtics and winning this one. What, what do you see happening tonight at TD Garden? I think that Towns has another like 30 and 16 night. I actually think he he has a really big defensive night. Uh, I know that everybody's going to pay attention to the offensive numbers, and I honestly think that he could probably fall backwards into 30 points. Not to try and say same thing against the the front court of of the Celtics, but he is just locked into a different zone right now. I mean, there, so I think, there's like, there's deep and really good front courts in the NBA that can't do anything about Carl Anthony Towns. And you look at the Celtics, they're thin and they're injury ridden at the moment. Like he, he's going to take full advantage of that. Yeah. And when he is, when he's in the zone, man, I mean, watch town, watch towns whenever you get the chance anyways. Cause I think he is uh, a, 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 a kind of a future superstar, but when he is locked into that different mentality, he is. A, I truly believe when he's locked into this kind of zone, he's a top five talent in the NBA. And so I think that if he can just stay consistently locked in there, then he's probably one of the one of the better players across the league. But it definitely over this last stretch, he is a he is a top ten talent for sure. I don't think I don't think you're going to find too many people who are going to argue with that. But I think he falls backwards into thirty points. I do think that he has a big night just blocking, rebounding the ball. I'm not sure how they handle the Taj Gibson minutes because I think the the I think what you want to do here is run, try and run kind of fast against the Celtics because you do have a, a bunch of players in that front court that you can play who can run. I think Sarge and Towns both can play in a, a fast pace, 
transition guided offense because they are pretty athletic players. And so I think that you don't see a ton from Taj Gibson in this game, but I do think you see a huge night from Towns. But the backcourt problems are going to be the thing that really bite this team. And they don't have the depth at backcourt, and they just don't have the scoring at backcourt to keep pace with the Celtics. I end, I do think this one is a really tight game. I think the Timberwolves end up losing like 115 to 110, somewhere in that area. But I think it's a couple possession game. I really do think it comes down to in the fourth quarter Kyrie Irving is going to make some crazy shots, some magically insane layups. And when they turn to somebody on the Timberwolves, I think that you're going to like triple Towns and Towns is going to pass it out. And it's going to be Wiggins, who hasn't made a shot in 10 minutes, or Tyus Jones, who's looking to pass it again, or Covington, who's probably st- who's probably going to be hampered by that ankle. I think that you can expect some things from him in the first half. But as far as I think he'll play, but as far as looking deep into a game for a guy who's on a bum ankle, it's going to be tough to ask him to knock down a ton of three-point shots late in this game. And so I just don't know if the Timberwolves are in the right spot health-wise to really give the Celtics a run for their money. Yeah, like you said, I mean, we could end up seeing some pretty thin backcourts, especially if Kyrie Irving doesn't play tonight. He's listed as questionable, so you you take him out and you've got thin backcourts on either side. But yeah, I think it'll be a close game down the stretch. Either way, you can check out all your Timberwolves news at the Locked on Wolves podcast. Colton is your host. I Really appreciate you coming on this morning, and I'm sure we'll be talking soon, man. Thank you so much for having me. Always a pleasure, Chris. And uh, try and stay warm over there with your balmy 20-degree weather. <laughs> yeah, please <laughs> please survive. Please survive while you're above zero out there. If the cold doesn't kill me, Wiggins will. <laughs> Put that on a plaque. Hey, sports fans, I'm Coach Nick of the B-Ball Breakdown podcast on the CLNS Media Network. I break down the NBA from a coach's perspective and have some of the best basketball minds join me weekly to discuss the latest NBA news and what's truly going on on the court. Subscribe to the B-Ball Breakdown podcast wherever you get your podcasts or find us on clnsmedia.com. It's a great conversation. You in?